The biggest belief around Twelfth Night is that it's unlucky to leave your Christmas decorations up after Twelfth Night. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. This is our first episode of 2020. Can you believe it? I can't. And I think we've we've all just come through that really weird period where it wasn't Christmas and it wasn't New Year and then it's what do we do now? And you do kind of get that phase where you're like, what day is it? What am I supposed to be doing? Is there anything I need to do? And it all gets a little bit confusing. Up until about New Year's Eve, I literally had no idea what day it was. So there we go. That's always a good way to end any year and then start a new one. And it is quite funny because we do really have one final thing to sort of do to kind of wrap up everything from Christmas before we then move on into January. And that is Twelfth Night. Now, a lot of people don't really celebrate it anymore and it does have a lot of Christian connotations. That being said, there is quite a lot of folklore about it, so I thought it was worth covering anyway, just because obviously the whole point of this podcast is folklore, hence the title, which I'm pretty sure you've already figured out for yourself. Now, Twelfth Night used to be a much bigger deal than it is now and in some parts of the world still is. But it's not like you're going to find Twelfth Night greetings cards in Paper Chase or anything. I'm saying that, considering they started selling Halloween ones. Who knows? But there we go. So basically what we're going to have a look at in this episode is what Twelfth Night actually is, why and how you celebrate it, and basically what the folklore is. And this is how you can kind of, if you followed on the first footing episode that I did last week, and incidentally, yes, I did do our first footing, I carried my piece of coal from the Miners Institute some mince pies, some whiskey. Now, bear in mind, I don't drink. This is like literally the only time in the year where I will have like a shot of something. And Jesus, I've no idea how long that whiskey had been open, but it was like nail varnish remover. So that was a good way to toast the new year in. And then obviously I brought some money in as well. So I have done our first footing. So hopefully this year, because I've done it properly this year, it'll work out a bit better. And anyway, yeah, so that's, that's me in first one. So this is like the last thing you can really do is sort of get the new year off to a bang as it were in a good way hopefully and that's that's i say following the 12th night folklore so you might be going that's all well and good i see what is 12th night and it's basically the very final night of the 12 days of christmas now i always used to think that the 12 days of christmas when i was little came before christmas not realizing that's actually advent but the 12 days of christmas starts after and it basically starts on christmas day and then ends on the 5th of January. And it's the period between Jesus being born and then the three wise men arriving to hand on their gifts. And Christopher Hill actually points out that in days gone by, each of the 12 days took on a significance of their own. Now, this significance is either based on the events of the Nativity or just the lives of saints. So December 28th, for example, became Holy Innocence Day or Children's Mass, which was later shortened to Childer Mass, And that particular day honoured the babies murdered by King Herod. December the 26th, on the other hand, was the Feast of St Stephen, which obviously in the UK we call Boxing Day. 
And I'm not going to get into the many differences between Christian orthodoxies because if I did, this episode would be a lot longer than 15 minutes and also not the point of the episode. It's just basically I wanted to get across the point that in days gone by, this particular period, particularly in the Middle Ages, was massive. And I don't know if you saw Lucy Worsley's programme on the BBC over Christmas about the 12 days of Christmas. And she was explaining how for the Tudors, this was the time when you could play like games in the street that were otherwise illegal during the rest of the year. You might use it for feasting and also putting on plays. And you may even have heard of one of them. Obviously, William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Now, there is some confusion about the date of Twelfth Night because the traditional date of Epiphany is January the 6th. And Twelfth Night is actually the Eve of Epiphany. So obviously it doesn't take a genius to work out that if it's the Eve of the Epiphany and that's on the 6th, then Twelfth Night should be on the 5th. But there is still some confusion as to when it is. And it all depends on what you consider the first day. So if the first of your 12 days of Christmas is Christmas Day, which it really should be, then that makes January the 5th Twelfth Night. But if you start obviously on Boxing Day, then it falls a day later, which is the evening of Epiphany itself. And incidentally, I did see a snippet of folklore on Twitter for Folklore Thursday that if you are a woman and you're unmarried, if you put basil under your pillow on the evening of Epiphany, you'll dream of your future husband. So if you try that, let me know what you dream about. So basically, why why does this thing about the date matter? Why is it relevant, whether it's the 5th or the 6th? Well, this is why. The biggest belief around Twelfth Night is that it's unlucky to leave your Christmas decorations up after Twelfth Night. Some people take them down on New Year's Eve, which is fine. So if that's you, you get completely off the hook. But this is why getting the date right matters. Because obviously, if you then say, oh, Twelfth Night is the 5th, great, you've taken them down. If you say it's the 6th, well, it depends whether... You know, is that actually 12th night? Do you see where I'm going with this? So obviously, if you leave them up like a day later, then technically you've taken them down after 12th night. We've taken them down on the 4th of January before in my family, and that's usually as much to do with practicality as it is folklore. And incidentally, there is also a tradition of taking your Christmas decorations down on the 2nd of February, which is the Christian festival of Candlemas. And in this particular one, the festival celebrates the presentation of Jesus at the temple. So that's when you take Christmas decorations down. Let's move on to medieval England. Twelfth Night also had a slightly different connotation. And it sort of marked the end of a winter festival that actually unofficially started way back on All Hallows' Eve. And the festivities revolve around the Lord of Misrule. And it's basically a time of turning the world upside down. And during the Twelfth Night Festival, a bean was hidden in a cake and whoever got the slice containing the bean then got to rule the feast. And that's even if they were a peasant because everyone was equal in the eyes of this particular custom. And then at midnight, the feast ended and the Lord of Misrule stepped down and reality basically returned. And you can certainly see some similarities between that and Saturnalia, the ancient Roman winter festival, which some people believe coincides with Christmas. Obviously, it depends which sources you're reading and also which calendar you're following. But you, so you do have this link there and you also get it in other parts of the world as well, but also at different times throughout that particular period. So this year, I got to experience a very similar custom in the opening minutes of 2020 because a Greek friend showed the, a, a very similar concept that they have where you, it's basically whoever gets the coin in this particular sort of loaf of bread, they then get the luck for the rest of the year. So this idea of cutting something up and it's basically all down to chance who gets whatever's baked into it that is quite a a common sort of theme in the festivities of this time of year 
And there is still one fairly large modern custom that still focuses on what's called the Twelfth Cake. And that is at the Drury Lane Theatre in London. And they have actually provided such a cake since 1795 because Robert Badley left a bequest of £100 to provide cake and punch to the resident company every 6th of January. Now, Badley was actually a pastry chef by trade and he then became an actor specialising in comedy. So he they always like to make sure that this particular cake was provided on Twelfth Night. It is fair to say, though, that the Twelfth Cake has largely been replaced by the Christmas Cake, and you do sometimes find this concept of hidden charms within the Christmas pudding instead now. I don't know how many people still do that, but when you read sort of books from like maybe the 40s and 50s, they sometimes talk about like bacon charms into the pudding, and they often represent what you would then expect in the coming year. So obviously if you got something representing romance or something representing a house or something representing travel it would kind of give you an an indication of what you might expect from the coming year but as I say that seems largely to have moved away from Twelfth Night which is a bit of a shame and also there's just this idea of food in Twelfth Night and I did come across a particular custom that in some parts of Kent families used to hang an edible decoration on the tree and this was the last thing that was then taken down on Twelfth Night and then it was shared out among the family so it's quite a good way to sort of sort of show the, the, the definite ending of that particular year. And Jennifer Vaught also points out that in Louisiana, the Twelfth Cake then morphed into the King Cake. And they now hide a plastic baby inside the cake. And whoever finds that becomes the king or queen to lead the festivities instead. And Twelfth Night often marks the start of Carnival instead. So it's quite interesting to see how these different traditions do take on kind of a life of their own when they kind of get beyond their original purpose, if that makes sense. But I think with these Twelfth Cakes, a lot of it does revolve around the concept of, oh, there's something hidden in this baked good, whoever gets it, and then you apply whether they get luck or they get romance in the coming year or they just get to rule for a day. It does depend on the tradition. So that's one of the traditions, and that one, I think, has largely fallen by the wayside. But other traditions do continue into modern times, and according to Western folklore, an annual Twelfth Night Festival actually started in Boulder in Colorado in 1939. And what they would do is they would play carols over a loudspeaker. They would kind of gather all the, the decorations and everything in one place. And then Santa Claus would drop by to thank the audience for a pleasant season. So it was quite a nice way of sort of drawing a line under sort of this is the end of Christmas now. And the journal actually also ran a piece in 1948 on New Year carols, which it considered was quite a neglected part of the festivities. And the author Clifford Gessler theorised that the carols basically kind of got ignored by everyone focusing on the Christmas repertoire instead. And he did note that there were songs to help bring in the New Year, like All Lang Syne. But it was his idea that older New Year songs were lost when the calendar shifted and the New Year moved from autumn to midwinter. Now, this is where I do have a teensy bit of a problem with that particular theory because there is an idea that Samhain, the Celtic festival, which then went on to become Halloween, was the start of a new year. And many modern pagans will celebrate the new year on basically 31st of October and, and 1st of November. The problem is, considering how long ago that was, I'm not really sure that his theory holds much water because for there to be carols in existence from the point when new year moved from autumn to midwinter, you're talking centuries here. So it's, it's a bit unlikely that that's... That's what he's referring to. And according to Bogner Brunner, the Romans actually started their new year on March the 1st until 153 BC, 
when the new year was then moved to January the 1st. This particular concept of, of New Year on January the 1st was actually scrapped during the medieval period and Christians actually celebrated the New Year on either December 25th, March the 1st or March 25th, depending on where they were based. It was the introduction of the Gregorian calendar in 1582, which is when New Year then moved back to January the 1st and that's kind of where it stayed ever since. So I don't quite know where Gessler gets this idea of an autumn New Year from. And this is one of the things that you've often got to have a look at when you when you come across folklore is kind of where did this belief come from? And it's not necessarily that the belief itself is wrong. Like I've seen a lot of stuff lately where people are like, oh, is that a Victorian belief? Well, my belief that I've come across is older. And I sort of think, does it really matter? Because if people believe one thing in the Middle Ages and then something else in the Victorian era, it doesn't mean one belief is right and one is wrong. It just means that there's two different beliefs at two different periods in history. So you do kind of have to be aware that just because something's Victorian doesn't make it wrong. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's also the fact that beliefs just change as you move around locations and also through periods of time. So it's just something to bear in mind when you're looking at folklore that it is people often collecting things that people have remembered. People remember things wrong and people also sometimes just write things down wrong. So sometimes it's, you know, you've got to kind of read between the lines a little bit. But then you've also got to apply some common sense and go, well, hang on, where the hell does that concept come from? But anyway, we're talking about Twelfth Night here, not the problems with studying folklore. And as I say, to come back to Twelfth Night, it is a, a strange sort of period in the calendar because you also then get the concept of wassailing. Now, I only ever really knew what this was from the carol here, we come a wassailing, and I didn't know what it was until actually relatively recently. And wassail itself is actually a type of punch, and it was traditional to drink it on Twelfth Night, hence wassailing. So particularly in the UK, you'll get Morris men will go and wassail apple trees on Twelfth Night. And they basically do this to ensure a good harvest. So they beat the trees to scare away demons and then they anoint the ground with cider. They'll recite a verse and then they make noise with instruments again to sort of scare away any evil spirits. And it's also common to hang toast that's been soaked in cider from the trees. And any birds who then eat that will carry away any evil that was still present. And the whole concept is basically to get rid of evil so that you'll then get a good harvest of apples in that particular year. And obviously you do it in a twelfth night because obviously it's before you the growing season really starts. So it's kind of, again, it's a nice way to start the year. And you also get similar concepts elsewhere. So in Worcestershire, farmers built 12 bonfires in one of their wheat fields and one of them is sort of bigger than the rest of them. And that one was named Old Meg. And then the servants and their families would drink warm cider around Old Meg before toasting their master and then drinking to the health of their crops. So again, it's a way of doing something on a specific day as a community to hopefully ensure a good harvest in the year that's to come. And I think ultimately this is basically what Twelfth Night boils down to. It's the uh, the idea of tying off the end of one year, obviously in the more symbolic sense by taking the decorations down, but then also by doing something to help boost your year that's to come. And really this is kind of probably why people then set resolutions at this time of year, because people treat New Year as a, as a way of resetting and starting again and having a fresh slate. And obviously by doing these different things on Twelfth Night, it's early enough in the new year that you're still full of hope and you're still like, oh yeah, this is going to be my best year yet. But it's also kind of you know, if you were trying to boost them ahead of a harvest, then obviously it would make sense to do it while they're still dormant rather than when they're starting to produce fruit. Anyway, so that is the basics of Twelfth Night Folklore. So at the very least, if the only thing that you do is take your Christmas decorations down before 
the end of the 5th of January, then you'll basically have like hit the main one. If you choose to do any of the others, like baking things into cake to see who's going to get this, that and the other for the year, do let me know if you do that. Let me know who gets what. I just I'm quite interested. And if you've got any other Twelfth Night customs that you follow, please feel free to email me and let me know because I'm always quite fascinated to see what people do where and also more importantly why. So do feel free to let me know. I should point out, obviously, with all of the these episodes that I do, obviously they are entirely free, but it does take quite a lot of time and effort to put them together, not to mention the cost of things like email marketing software and so on. So obviously if you do want to help support the show, it it really does actually help me to continue making these. So if you do want to do that, there are two ways to support me. You can do it on a one-off basis by buying me a coffee and the link is below, or you can become a Patreon supporter, in which case you'll get extra content and other bits and pieces as well. Obviously the podcast will remain free, so you can obviously just continue to to listen and enjoy it. And if, if, you, if you can't financially help, just simply spreading the word is also much appreciated And I love all the people who email me and tell me how much they enjoy the show. Now, we are going to head off into the rest of January now. And we're going to have a look at the creatures of the night. But I decided we'd look at the really maligned ones who people kind of maybe believe weird things about them. Or perhaps they're not actually as bad as they seem. So with that in mind, we're going to start off with my absolute favourite of them all. And we're going to have a look at the folklore of bats. So we'll start that off next week. If you've got any requests for February, please do let me know. And obviously, again, um, you can grab me on Twitter or Instagram or you can send me an email, ac at acsedgwick.com, if there's anything that you'd like to hear more about. Other than that, have an absolutely fantastic day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that we all have an absolutely marvellous 2020. And that is absolutely brilliant. And I will see you soon. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!